Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. Mr. David was talking about uh, getting lost in the songs. Uh, two things popped into my mind. Uh, that can be dangerous. Uh, the first is, have you ever sung a song, and it's a song you, you know, and it's one that you've sung for years, and come to find out that you were singing the wrong words? Uh, I have done that in my life, and uh, I'm like, I like my version better. <laughs> and, uh, and as he was talking about getting lost in the song, and I know it's kind of a different thing, but immediately popped into my mind, uh, and one of our assignments was a wonderful godly man. He was the song leader at the time of the church, um, and he would get up, and he would do his very best, and he was very gifted, but there were times when he would uh, kind of get lost in the midst of leading worship, and so he would take old familiar songs, old familiar hymns, and he would put his own words into them. And most of us in the congregation, were, we would at times be like, I'm not, what version is he reading from, you know? But uh, Mr. Frank, Mr. Frank's in heaven now singing in the presence of the Lord. Hopefully he's got the words right today. But it was, and it was, it was, it was so enjoying because the words that, that he would oftentimes melt into the verse because he would get lost um, were so much, so much deeper at the time, so much more meaningful, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that. All right, if you would take your Bibles, open them up to the Old Testament book of Daniel again. And as I mentioned last week, we're going to take uh, a couple of scenes from the life of Daniel and how they encourage and provide a template for us to stand. And that's the title of the message series, uh, To Stand. Stand. We, uh, as I mentioned, I believe that we are at an inflection point, at a crossroads, if you will, in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, together, we are going to have to make the intentional decision are we going to stand for the things that we know are true? Are we going to stand for the truths and the principles that are laid out in this book? Or are we going to just uh, float away on the river of culture as they would like us to? They would like for you and I to not object, to not be in opposition. And when we do, we are, we are given tags and we are given titles we are we are intolerant we are bigoted we are unloving when we do but the reality of the matter is that we uh, when we stand for the biblical principles and the word of god we cannot be more loving especially to our culture today that is by and large convinced and committed to running headlong off of the cliff and into an eternity 
without God. And it's so the encouragement that, that I hope to bring uh, from these little snippets of the life of Daniel is for us to encourage us to stand. And last week we talked about standing out. And this one, this week we're going to talk about standing strong. Standing strong. And it comes from one of my very favorite uh, passages and stories in all the Bible. Daniel in the lion's den. Now how many of you grew up in the church and you remember Daniel in the lion's den from Sunday school? Anybody? How many of you remember it on the flannel graph? <laughs> You're probably a little reluctant because that ages you a little bit. Um, but the reality is, I, I, when it comes to the animal kingdom, I, am, I love, I am fascinated uh, with lions. These magnificent beasts that, that are just, just amazing in so many ways. And, and um, the very closest that I've ever gotten to a real life lion was at a Keystone Safari over in Grove City. And, and the lions at that point in time we were there, they were sleeping. But they, I mean, that, that lion's paw looked bigger than my head. And there was, I'm not going to lie, there was a temptation to jump the fence and shake hands with him, but I'm pretty sure that paw is not used for shaking hands. And I just love lions. I, I love all the things about them. Do you know that when a lion roars, it can be heard up to and over five miles away? And isn't that interesting? And another interesting fact, maybe or maybe you don't know this, but if you will go home this afternoon, bring up an image on your computer, a tablet of a lion, you will notice something about their eyes. First of all, the pupils of their eyes dilate very, very greater than ours in, in ratio to allow light to influence and, 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 and come into them uh, so that they can hunt at night. They are very skilled when it comes to low-light situations. But also, you will notice under their eyes, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but there is a white stripe under each of their eyes. God created them in this way, and that is to magnify and to help the light so that they are very good uh, vision-wise in low-light and in the night. They are just fascinating uh, animals. The reality is, in Daniel, we see this story that is very familiar to all of us. And, and when we think of lions so many times, we think of uh, little cute, cuddly little things. You know, the Lion King, little Simba there up on Pride Rock. But the reality is, they are magnificent beasts. And they are vicious. In Daniel chapter 6, I want to read uh, beginning at verse 1 this morning. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. And if you are able, would you please ride, rise for the reading of, of the word this morning. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a prince to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others to, to, as administrators to supervise the prince's and to watch out for the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes because he had the great ability 
the king made him, because of his great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and princes began searching for some fault in some way Daniel was handling his affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize. He was faithful and honest and always responsible. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the requirements of his religion. So the administrators and princes went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously agreed that your majesty should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30, day, 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone divine or human except to your majesty will be thrown to the lions. And let your majesty, majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, a law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10, but when Daniel learned of the law, that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as, his, as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had done before, giving thanks to his God. The officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went back to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone divine or human except to your majesty will be thrown to the lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is paying no attention to you or to your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was very angry with himself for signing the law, and he tried to find a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men were together, and the king said, Your majesty knows, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, and the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. Father, we thank you for, for your word. Lord, though this is a familiar story for many of us, I just pray that in these moments that you would, that you would bring about uh, your spirit and your understanding. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to see perhaps something uh, new and fresh from this passage in these moments. Help us, give us the strength to stand up uh, when it seems to be easier to sit down. Help us in these moments, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Now, in Daniel chapter 6, we see the arrival of King Darius. Now, King Darius was the third king that Daniel served under, and he had proven himself in the time that he was in service to be an administrative genius. And then also, in, in the midst of this period of time, Daniel is not a young fella any longer. Daniel is most likely in his mid-80s, and he has been in the service of these kings in this land, as we talked about 
uh, last week being ripped from his homeland, transported to this land. And in the midst of this time, under three separate kings now, God has blessed Daniel greatly. And he has served under them, and the kings could not find no fault with him. He was an administrative genius. And so, in the midst of this, the king decides that he is going to assign 120 uh, administrators. Some version may, may bring out that old, uh, that, that wonderful term, satraps. 120 satraps that were going to serve in the kingdom. And what these individuals were tasked with doing, they were, they were in essence, kingdom protectors. They, they, they protected the kingdom. They prevented the rebellion. They prevented any kind of rebellion from growing in the midst of the kingdom. They, they helped in taking of taxes and national financial matters. In, in our passage today, it says that Daniel was appointed along with two other administrators. And these two other administrators obviously could not stand Daniel because the Bible says that they looked and looked and looked for ways uh, to accuse him, to get him out of his position. They were, in fact, jealous of Daniel. They wanted to take him down. But Daniel, in the midst of this, stood strong. He stood strong. And it is a wonderful example and template for our lives, especially in the culture that we live in today, for us to stand strong. And this morning as we venture into this passage of Scripture, there are a couple of truths that, that I want to relate to you to encourage you to hopefully help you stand strong when it would be easier to sit down. First of all, I want you to realize and be encouraged that when God raises you up, expect people to try to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to try to tear you down. If you are excited about your faith, the Lord, the Lord blesses you greatly. The Lord just does a wonderful work in your life, everything you touch and, and are a part of seems to grow. Rest assured, there are others around you hoping and praying for your failure, for your downfall. I heard a pastor one time say that he at times struggles with this when in the context of pastoral ministry. And he says, it's not that I hate other pastors, and I hate the success that they have and the seeming struggle that I have at times. It's not that, but it is like, uh, it's kind of like a flat tire kind of thing. He says, I don't hate them, but if I would happen to pass them on the road and they would be at the side of the road with a flat tire, I would not be the one to get out and help them. Um, the reality is when God raises you up, when God puts his hand on you, and I've seen it in my life and others' lives, when God touches you and raises you up, you are well know that there are others who are doing everything they can to take you down. And that is, that is true in Daniel's life. 
He's doing what he is required to by God. He is being obedient to God. And there's these two others that are doing everything they can to take him down. To the point that, that they go to the king and say, King, this is what we think. Oh man, don't, nobody, nobody should receive worship but the king. King, you are better than chocolate. You are better than slight. It's not in there. Don't look for it. It's, you know, that's in the Jamie version. That hasn't been printed yet. Uh, but king, you are awesome. And you know what, king? No one, we should, no one should worship anybody but you. So king, here's what you could do. You can make a law and, and, a, and a constantly several times talks about the law of the Medes and the Persians. The reality is it's a law, and once it's signed, it cannot be revoked. King, make a law that for 30 days, no one can worship anyone, divine or human, except for you. And if, O oh king, we find that anyone does worship anyone else, they get to be lion kibble. And because the king is who he is, it sounds, it sounds like, a, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. I, I think I'll do that. And immediately we understand that this was just a part of the plan to take Daniel down. Let me just encourage you in your life. If God is blessing you, if God is meeting needs like never before, if God has given you a wonderful testimony, if God is just opening doors right after left, rest assured, unfortunately, there are those who are standing on the periphery hoping and maybe even praying for your downfall. And we have to be, and we have to be uh, not only realizing that, but we have to have in the midst of that the faith and the courage to stand strong. Because what could have Daniel done? He, he heard of this law. He knew that he had been praying. He knew that he had been obedient to God. He could have said, oh, 30 days? That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem too bad. I could, I, could, I could stop. I could kind of pull it back for 30 days, but that's not what he does. He stands strong in his faith, serving God. And things are just going, I mean, I don't know about you, but when things go really well in my life, I kind of get worried. I kind of get nervous. I'm kind of, well, when's the wheel going to fall off this wagon? Kind of a thing. And that's just the way that I'm wired. We have to be cognizant of the reality that, that there are those out there who, when God raises us up, try to tear us down. So what will Daniel do? Will he stop praying? Will he pray silently? Will he Keep praying and risk death. And we know the answer. He had an audacious faith. How did he have such an audacious faith? How did he 
stand so strong. Secondly, this morning, I want you to realize, and it's, and it's nothing new. We know this. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. In verse 10, we read of Daniel's response. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows, with the, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to God just as he had done before. You see, we, we get things so wrong, especially in our culture, when we enter into a situation where difficulty or trial or circumstances don't go our way. For the most part, for the most part, we as humans do one thing, and seemingly we do one thing very, very well. Panic. <laughs> um, I saw the old, an old opening uh, for the Muppet Show. Uh, and Kermit the Frog was talking, and they had their guests on, and it was a musical group. And, and as they were getting ready, the, there were three members of the group there, but the fourth one wasn't there. And he said, where's this person? Kermit asked them, where's this person? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we, don't, we don't know where he went. And Kermit says so many th uh, things that we at times say, maybe not out loud, and Kermit says, well, I know this is the perfect time. And the perfect time? For panic. And he got all crazy. The reality is our first response to problems should never be panic, but always prayer. How is it that I've been in the church for 30 years or a little more, and I've heard testimony. How is it that the shift that I see has happened over the years that I've been in the church and even uh, prior to that, a shift uh, where prayer was our first response and now it's almost as if prayer is the last resort. We're going to try A, B, C, D, all the way down to X, Y, and Z. And if that doesn't work, well, we could always pray about it. What? <laughs> No, no, no. You start with prayer, and then you work through the alphabet as God leads you of responses. God uh, will guide you. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard someone say this in the midst of a decision, of a decision or circumstance? Well, all we can do now is pray. <laughs> all we can do now is pray. And we should. But the reality is, prayer shouldn't be at the end of the decisions. It shouldn't be at the end of the options. It should be number one. We can pray. And when we do pray, when we seek his face, as the scripture declares, he will hear us. Jeremiah says, and when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. When we pray, we tap into a source of strength that is far beyond anything that we can imagine. 
We can pray. We should pray. I know of churches uh, that have taken the concept of corporate prayer out of their services simply for, for time's sake, to be time sensitive. The reality is you can take all of the other stuff out, but we need prayer. Prayer is so powerful. We need to be men and women of prayer. God wants us to seek his face. Call to me, Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. There is something about kneeling humbly before God. How did Daniel stand? He stood strong before men because he first knelt before his God. When life, and it will, when life gives you more than you can handle. And just a side note, I shouldn't go off on this tangent, but I'm going to. Have you ever heard folks say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. That is unbiblical, I'm here to say. Paul says that God gave them far more than they were able to handle. Think about it for just a moment. If God doesn't give you more than you are able to handle, what's the purpose of God if you can handle it? God gives us way more. I've experienced it. You probably have too. God gives us at times or allows way more than we can handle. But I'm here to encourage you. It's not more than he can handle. It's not more than he can handle. Okay, back on track. When life gives you more than you can stand, kneel. Kneel in prayer. Take a stand. Take a stand. And there are circumstances and issues in your life that, that you will have to take a stand for what is right, what we know to be right. You see, we want, we want the rose-colored uh, version that, that men with slick hair have given to us over the years. We want the come to Jesus and you will never have another problem in your life. Jesus himself says that in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, bad things will happen to you. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And because we pray, and we could be prayer warriors, it's not a guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Life is not a Disney movie. All I can promise you today, and I wish I could say, I truly, and I've said this before, I wish that I could say that once you're saved, all your problems, and in a way they do because we know that the source and God, but we still, we still deal with electric bills. We still deal with going to the store and, and, and looking at the prices. We still deal with a lot of things. We still deal with illness. We still deal with that. But God is there in the midst of that. What I can promise you is that when you do what's right, you can always trust God with a result. I heard a preacher say it this way. I agree with it a thousand percent. 
Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. We know how the story ends. We know how the story of Daniel ends. He was faithful. He stood up. He stood strong for what he knew to be uh, true. Unfortunately, we at times believe and think and act at times like we don't know how the story ends. Let me remind you, if you are a child of God, the very worst that someone can do to you on this earth is send you to meet Jesus. Paul says, I am torn between the two. To be with him is far better. We act in, in, in our lives that, that we don't know how this is going to end. The truth is that it ends with God as the victor. God doesn't give you what you want. Always. God is not... Now, I don't know if any of you did this. I don't, I don't believe Teresa and I did this. You know, you go... On the, on the thing and you register at the different stores of the gifts that you would like to give, uh, to receive. Uh, God is not like that. <laughs> God, today, I want to not uh, come into contact with anybody that will bring me down. And God, if you could give me the front row parking spot at the Walmart, and have the people not check my receipt on the way out because I'm not going to steal light bulbs. Lord, that would be extra. That would be, that would be icing on the cake. <laughs> um, the reality is God gives us what we need. And we can trust him with the results. Even when we don't get what we think that we want. Daniel in the lion's den. Even in the midst of that, he was trusting his God. The king is devastated because he truly loved Daniel. He drops him in the pit. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And he thinks he knows. And so the next day, the scripture records that the king rushes out. And I find this interesting, and we, and we gloss over this, and we read over this, and he calls down into the pit. Daniel, has the God you serve been able to rescue you? Did your God rescue you? And Daniel, in verses 22 and 23, says this, My God sent his angel. And he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. We can trust God with the results. We can trust God with the outcome. We just need to be obedient. We can trust God. There's a wonderful, and I wish I would have thought to, uh, to have it shown on the screen. There is a wonderful 
uh, art rendering of Daniel in the lion's den. And it is just so uh, beautiful in, a, in, its, uh, in its portrayal of this event. And, and I didn't realize something until uh, another uh, teacher had pointed it out. And in this particular, in this particular portrait, uh, you, you see Daniel in the, den, in the lion's den, and you see the lions there around him, and you see the light from the, from the entrance, and you see Daniel staring up into the light of the entrance. But there's one thing, and it was pointed out, that, that you don't focus on right away. And the teacher said, I want you to look at this for just a moment and tell me what you see. And, and they said, oh, there's Daniel in the lion's den and the lions and, 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 and everything that we think of. And, and the teacher said, now stop. I want you to realize and I want you to focus. Where is Daniel looking? In the midst of the lion's den. Daniel has his back to the lion. And his face and his gaze pointed upward. Folks, there are going to be those who are going to want to serve as lions in your life. And the worst thing that we can do is to give them attention and take it off of God. When God raises you up, people will seek to tear you down. We need to continue to stand strong and continue to look up to him. We need to be men and women of prayer because kneeling to pray gives us strength to stand. And lastly, we need to put it on the inside of us to do what we know is right and trust God with the results. That's just not a way to live uh, a moment. That's a, a way to live an entire life. For we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We have to put on the armor of God. And when those lions come, and they will, probably for some before the day is over, we have to have the courage and the audacity to turn our backs on them and continue to look towards heaven and look to our God. For he is the one that gives us the strength. What a wonderful picture of of this Sunday school lesson of Daniel and the lion's den. And, and, and as I was thinking about it and, and uh, preparing, I couldn't help it. Uh, the, the version from Veggie Tales came, popped into my mind. And, and in that story, as Daniel was leaving the lion's den, he always, he was so grateful. And he said, thanks for the pizza. <laughs> I don't know that that's not in the Bible. I don't think the lions had pizza. The lions were probably wanting them some Daniel, was, but God stopped that. But the reality is, you and I are in a battle. We have to realize that. And we have to have the courage to stand strong. We have to have the courage to stand strong. And when we do, when we do, we will see God do amazing things, not only in our life, but, but in the church. We will see amazing things take place. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, 
visit us at championnas.org.